Good evening. Queen Elizabeth II dies. Steve Bannon in cuffs. Ukraine's counteroffensive sputters. And Kamala Harris talks to the Baptist Convention. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Thursday, September 8th, 2022. Prince Charles, 73, heir to the throne since the age of three, is now King of Great Britain and will officially be proclaimed so at the St. James Palace in London. As the monarch to be known as Charles III, he made his first statement about the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, saying, The death of my beloved mother, Her Majesty the Queen, is a moment of great sadness for me and all members of my family. We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. Meanwhile, Britain's newest prime minister paid tribute to the Queen as the rock on which modern Britain was built. Liz Truss then praised the new king. Today the crown passes, as it has done for more than a thousand years, to our new monarch, our new head of state, His Majesty King Charles III. With the King's family, we mourn the loss of his mother, and as we mourn, we must come together as a people to support him, to help him bear the awesome responsibility that he now carries for us all. And with the passing of the second Elizabethan age, we usher in a new era in the magnificent history of our great country, exactly as Her Majesty would have wished, by saying the words, God save the King. Britain's Prime Minister, Liz Truss. Truss had traveled to Balmoral, that's the place where the Queen lives, her own castle, on Tuesday to see the Queen, the longest reigning monarch in British history, as she took over as Prime Minister from Boris Johnson. As the accolades and farewells from around the globe poured in, officials in Washington honored the Queen for her contributions to the special relationship between the two countries and her role in history. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Her reign saw the dawn of the atomic age, the age of the Internet, the fall of the Soviet Union, an unprecedented global pandemic. She didn't just witness the great turns of history. She helped shape them over the seven decades, seven decades of her reign. Queen Elizabeth was the longest reigning monarch in British history, wearing the crown for 70 years. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also praised the queen and her role in U.S. history. The queen met sitting President Harry S. Truman when she was a 25-year-old princess. She went on to meet with a dozen more of our presidents during her reign. She presided over a period of historic strengthening of the alliance between our nations that has changed the course of world history for the better. Queen Elizabeth was the first child of the royal who became King George VI, a reluctant king who took the throne after Edward VIII abdicated to marry American socialite Wallace Simpson in 1936. He died from heart problems as Elizabeth was visiting Kenya, then a colony of Great Britain. She flew back to accept the throne and made a fateful decision to televise her coronation, the first time in history the public experienced the ancient pomp of a coronation. This was the response as the huge diamond-studded crown was placed on her head.
God crown you with a crown of glory and righteousness, that having a right faith and manifold fruit of good works, you may obtain the crown of an everlasting kingdom by the gift of him whose kingdom endureth forever. Amen. The Duke of Cornwall sees his mother crowned. Writer and international journalist Ian Williams has been covering the United Nations for years. He says while the royal family has little real impact on British politics, Queen Elizabeth was respected by most. Even sort of would-be Republicans have a sort of respect. Somebody who can meet up with Liz Truss three days before she dies is, a, is obviously a, a battler. There's always a tendency with monarchs not to blame the monarchs, to blame their advisors. And in this particular case, I think a lot of people are blaming the royal family and all the hangers-on and the lackeys and the other people around it. Well, but I don't think she did enough to discourage them. In many ways, I would rather have an hereditary monarchy with no political power than an elected president every four years who pretends to represent the whole country. A lot of this is age-old ritual, which we're now going to see for the coronation, was invented at the end of the Queen Victoria's era. Who's next in line to be the ceremonial leader of the United Kingdom? Charles III. And who is he? Charles III is the son of Elizabeth. He's the oldest son. He's in his 70s now. He's been basically hanging around waiting for his mother to, to get out of the way, to allow him to be king. And he's probably a bit peeved. He probably thinks that she should have... Um, abdicated by now and made way but he himself was a fairly has been a fairly controversial figure he's tended to push out the envelope in terms of how much political power the monarch wields because residually the monarch has quite a lot of power in the british political system we discovered they can veto sort of line items in legislation where it affects them and that's only recently been revealed and then it was revealed that they had done. It wasn't really public knowledge what they'd done. What do the British people feel about all the money that goes in? It's always sold, yes. You know, what about the tourists and all those red coats and bearskin hats are quite nice. I don't think they use real bearskin anymore on ecological grounds. They really go out of their way to be trendy. This all started when you had a king who had an American girlfriend and wanted to divorce his wife, and it led to a new king who wasn't ready for the job, who died of cancer and handed it to his a child, who did it with some sort of aplomb until now, but it seems very chaotic. As it turned out, Edward VIII, as he would have been, his uh, marrying an American divorcee was the least of his sins. I mean, he was also shamelessly in bed with Hitler and the Nazis. He reverted to the old Germanic traditions of the royal family. Because you have to remember, they were speaking German until very recently. They were the electors of Hanover and the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha and all of these minor German princelings. <laughs> and they were still connected with them right, right the way through the Nazi era and afterwards. Duke of Edinburgh, Glucksberg, Phil the Greek, as they called him. He was a transplanted German princeling who was a monarch in Greece. It's difficult not to laugh at them, really, because it's, it's very Ruritanian. You see them there on the balcony at uh, Buckingham Palace with all the medals and the gold braid and whatever. Who cares? So they continue as a cultural meme, really. What else keeps the country together? And in that sense, would you rather that a royal family with a couple of thousand years of tradition 1500 years of tradition represents the country 
or Queen's cowboy who run, casino, who run casinos represents the best of the nation. The president of the United States is basically a Hanoverian monarch. It's, it's George III, subject to election every four years. Who killed Princess Diana? One is, I don't know. And two is, I don't really care. She was not a significant figure politically. I don't think she was as saintly as people have made her. She was better looking than the average royal, I'll give you that. Her boyfriend, the Egyptian playboy, was no beacon to, unto the nations. He was a bit of a crook and a gangster as well. There's always the drinking and the hard partying. The royal, British royal family have all been hard partiers. You know, one of their official ancestors is Woden, chief of the Norse gods. Yeah, it, it lingers. Remember, Wednesday is Woden's day. This changing of the guard that's about to happen in England. Any last words? Well, it's a case of to what extent the personal prestige of the Queen and the royal family kept the union together. It could even further devolve. I don't think it's going to be deeply significant, but let's say the glue is weakened. And then there's the question of the Commonwealth as well, whether what effect it has on Australia and Canada and New Zealand and islands in the Caribbean that still have the British monarch as their head of state. Writer and international journalist Ian Williams. Queen Elizabeth was the most widely traveled head of state in history. She made hundreds of state visits and tours of the British Commonwealth, a loose confederation of former British colonies. In 1991, shortly after the Gulf War launched to liberate Kuwait from Iraq, both former British colonies, she became the first British monarch to address a joint session of Congress. She said Britain and the United States would become guardians of stability in the years to come. Recent events in the Gulf have proved that it is possible to do just that. Both our countries saw the invasion of Kuwait in just the same terms. An outrage to be reversed, both for the people of Kuwait and for the sake of the principle that naked aggression should not prevail. We have both learned from history that we must not allow aggression to succeed. I salute the outstanding leadership of your president and the courage and prowess of the armed forces of the United States. Together we are doing our best to re-establish peace and civil order in the region and to help those members of ethnic and religious minorities who continue to suffer through no fault of their own. It would be a mistake to make the picture look too gloomy. The swift and dramatic changes in Eastern Europe in the last decade have opened up great opportunities for the people of those countries. They are finding their own paths to freedom. But the paths would have been blocked if the Atlantic Alliance had not stood together, if your country and mine had not stood together. Let us never forget that lesson. Britain is at the heart of a growing movement towards greater cohesion within Europe and within the European community in particular. This is going to mean radical economic, social and political evolution. It is Britain's prime concern to ensure that the new Europe is open and liberal and that it works in growing harmony with the United States, 
and the other members of the Atlantic community. In 1994, she became the first reigning British monarch to visit Russia. The four-day visit was considered her most important single-state trip. As a constitutional monarch, the Queen was head of state, but her executive powers were limited by Britain's constitution. Nevertheless, her ceremonial role went far beyond her limited legal role. Her support was key to the political survival of prime ministers, and her views often moderated the politics of conservative and liberal prime ministers alike. Queen Elizabeth II was 96. And closer to home, Steve Bannon, the one-time top strategist to former United States President Donald Trump, pleaded not guilty on Thursday to money laundering and conspiracy charges for allegedly deceiving donors to an effort to help Trump build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. He arrived at New York State Court in Manhattan today in a black SUV. He was met by hecklers as he struck a defiant pose before entering the courthouse. This is an irony. On the very day the mayor of this city has a delegation down on the border, they're persecuting people here to try to stop on the border. 60 days from the day. 60 days from the day. Take a step back. Stop hurting America, you greasy, stupid grifter! Bannon was handcuffed later in the process where he continued his defiant stance. This is what happens the last days of a dying regime. They will never shut me up, not to kill me first. I have not yet begun to fight. Prosecutors accused Bannon of defrauding donors who contributed more than $15 million to a private fundraising drive known as We Build the Wall for the former Republican president's signature wall. According to the indictment, Bannon promised donors that all their money would go toward the wall, but concealed his role in diverting hundreds of thousands of dollars to the drive's chief executive, who had promised to take no salary. The chief executive of We Build the Wall was Brian Colfage, an Air Force veteran who pleaded guilty in April to federal wire fraud, conspiracy, and tax charges, and is awaiting sentencing. It's a crime to profit off the back of donors by making false pretenses, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg said at a joint press conference with New York Attorney General Letitia James. We are here today to announce the indictment of Stephen Bannon and We Build the Wall Incorporated for a year-long fundraising scheme that added more than $15 million from thousands of donors across the country based on false pretenses. Specifically, the false promise that all of the funds obtained to We Build the Wall will go toward the construction of a wall on the border of the United States and Mexico. And that, and I quote, not a penny, end quote, would go to its president's salary. Attorney General Letitia James. Too often, powerful political interest, they ignore these rules. They think that they are above the law. And the most egregious of them take advantage of hard-working Americans in the process. And Steve Bannon stands out as a perfect example of this blatant inequality. He gained power and influence as a top advisor to the former president. And he used that influence and those connections to cheat everyday Americans and carry out this fraud. You see, Bannon was the architect of Trump's plan to build a wall between the United States and Mexico. So when Mr. Bannon created a fundraising scheme to finance the construction of that wall, he basically stole millions of dollars to line his own pocket.
The alleged scheme had Colfage, a wounded vet, make public appearances at events promoting their plan to marshal private donors to build sections of the wall intended to keep migrants from crossing into the United States from Mexico. At one event, then-President Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., spoke in support. And thank you guys for being here. Brian, thank you so much for all your sacrifices doing this and showing really what capitalism's all about, right? This is private enterprise at its finest, doing it better, faster, cheaper than anything else. And what you guys are doing is pretty amazing. Uh, it started from a grassroots effort, uh, and it's just doing some wonderful things for an important issue. Bannon was charged with two counts of money laundering, three counts of conspiracy, and one count of scheming to defraud. If convicted, he could face up to 15 years in prison for money laundering, though prison is not mandatory. It's not Bannon's first time in court on the charges. In August 2020, Bannon pleaded guilty to federal charges in the same case. He was pardoned by President Trump in January 2021, but presidential pardons don't prohibit state prosecutions. In more national news, authorities in Las Vegas arrested Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellis after his DNA was found at the scene where Las Vegas Review-Journal reporter Jeff German was fatally stabbed. Las Vegas police also said they found evidence at Tellis's home, including shoes and pieces of a straw hat that tied him to the killing. Justice of the Peace Elena Lee Graham ruled Tellis would be held without bail. During the hearing, prosecutors linked German's killing to his reporting on Tellus's conduct as an elected official. Chief Deputy District Attorney Richard Scow said German's reporting ruined his political career, likely his marriage. German, 69, was found dead Saturday morning on the side of his northwest Las Vegas house. He reported on crime, courts, corruption, casino industry leaders, and mob figures for decades in Las Vegas. This year, he spent months reporting on the turmoil surrounding Tellus's oversight of the public administrator's office. And in the war in Ukraine, Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken paid a surprise visit to Kyiv today. He came with pledges of nearly $3 billion in military aid to Ukraine and other countries as the United States backs the Ukrainian counteroffensive trying to take the initiative in the six-month war with Russia. Blinken met with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky and pledged an immediate cash infusion. Mr. President, I am pleased to be able to announce, as we did uh, earlier today, uh, additional support for Ukraine, another $675 million in systems and supplies uh, that uh, your military is already using to such great effect. Uh, rockets, artillery, uh, armored vehicles, uh, anti-tank systems, and more. This is the 20th uh, drawdown, as we call it, and, and that brings our total uh, commitment in security assistance uh, to uh, Ukraine since February to $13.5 billion. Um, we also notified our Congress of our intent uh, to provide Ukraine with an additional $1 billion in what we call foreign military financing. This is for longer-term uh, acquisition of uh, systems. Uh, we're also providing $1 billion additional dollars in financing for our European allies and partners who've been doing so much to support Ukraine. Um, this will allow the purchase of systems that you need and others will need over the longer term to deter and defend against any future aggression uh, from Russia. Blinken's trip to Kyiv, made in secret via overnight train from eastern Poland, was his second visit since the Russian invasion to show unwavering U.S. support. Blinken toured a devastated residential area in Irpin, outside of Kyiv. He was briefed by a Ukrainian justice official on what she says was tens of thousands of war crimes allegedly committed by Russian forces.
Right now, the figure is 30,000 cases, which is recorded. Hmm. More of uh, these cases, like 20,000 cases, were Chinano. Committed. Committed mm -hmm. with the civilian uh, population. Yeah. Investigative team from other countries, mm. so we are ready to be transparent here and open to engaging our partners and representatives of different countries. We have Polish team, we have French team mm. here, we had Lithuanian mm. team and many other mm. so investigative teams who is supporting us and actually I would say that the Ukrainian police is now more experienced police in the world who is dealing with the war crime, so we are unhappy, but we are ready to share this experience. Thank you. After the tour, Blinken answered questions from the media about the Ukrainian offensive. It's very early, but we're seeing clear and real progress on the ground, particularly uh, in the area around Kherson, uh, but also some interesting developments in the Donbass uh, in the east. But again, early, early days. The Russians are, in many of these instances, throwing everything they have at Ukrainian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians, and they're doing it indiscriminately. And if you're on the receiving end of that, it's got to be incredibly horrifying. At the same time, you have very precise weapons that we and others have provided to the Ukrainians that allows them, with one shot, to do what the Russians may try to do with 15 or 20 shots. So that's also part of what's, of what's going on. During a news conference, Joint Chiefs Chair General Mark Milley said the Ukrainian forces were making gains, but he held back from predicting any major changes on the battlefield. Their progress is steady and it's deliberate. This battlefield from Kharkiv all the way down to Kyrgyzstan is a significant frontline trace, if you will. It's about 2,500 kilometers of border that Ukraine has to protect, and about 1,300 of them engaged in active combat one way or another, and it's a little bit less than that as you go from Kharkiv down to Kyrgyzstan. There's been fighting back and forth in and around Kharkiv for the entire time, but I don't think they are particularly overstretched per se. Right now, the intensity of the fighting is occurring up in Kharkiv, the significant fighting down around Bakhmut, and then, of course, the offensive down in Kyrgyzstan. So they're continuing the fight. They've got the forces to do it, and we'll see how this plays out. Joint Chiefs Chair General Mark Milley. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian armed forces claim to have retaken more than 20 villages in the south and east of the country and advanced 30 miles into Russian-held territory. And back in the United States, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Houston today. She delivered remarks at the National Baptist Convention where she talked about the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act. She also spoke to the mostly black convention about support for historically black colleges and spoke about a woman's right to choose and people of faith. As extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make decisions about their own bodies, faith leaders are taking a stand, knowing one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held religious beliefs to agree that a woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. And she will choose in consultation with her pastor or her priest or her doctor and her loved ones. But the government should not be making that decision. Harris is expected to chair a meeting with the National Space Council on Friday and tour the NASA Johnson Space Center. 
And finally, the British monarchy is one of the oldest on earth, tracing its roots back 1,500 years. The point was made at the close of Queen Elizabeth's 1953 coronation, the first ever televised, as the 26-year-old queen left Westminster Abbey. So, to that stirring music, majesty, splendor, and beauty pass from our sight. As the queen goes in her lovely robe, out of the nave of the Abbey. History has been written and sung here today, in this warm and beautiful old building, where it has been written and sung for many hundreds of years. But never before have so many seen the crowning of the sovereign, or so many shared in her dedication in this Abbey Church, which in its changing forms has sheltered the crowning of our kings and queens for nigh on a thousand years. Great Britain was once lord of one of the world's greatest empires, spanning the globe and ruling over billions of people. After World War II, Britain divested its empire and slowly its grip over the countries that became a freely associated commonwealth. More than 50 countries at one time or another have recognized the monarch of England as their own. And that's some of the news for Thursday, September 8, 2022. The news was produced, written, and anchored by myself, Paul DiRienzo. You can catch the news daily at pauldurienzo.com, your favorite podcast service, or at SoundCloud. Search the news with Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.